Our lesson this morning is from Genesis chapter 27. Please stand. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called his elder son Esau and said to him, My son, and he answered, Here I am. He said, See, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me. Then prepare for me savory food, such as I like, and bring it to me to eat, so that I may bless you before I die. Then Rebekah took the best garments of her elder son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on her younger son Jacob. And she put the skins of the kids on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. Then she handed the savory food and the bread that she had prepared to her son Jacob. So he went into his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game so that you may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went up to his father Isaac, who felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him because his hands were hairy, like his brother Esau's hands, so he blessed him. Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed there for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place. And he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth, the top of it reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Here ends the reading. You may be seated. I want to begin this morning by telling you a story. It's a story of a lady I met recently, and her name is not really Eva, but I'm going to call her that. She did give me permission to tell her story and to use her real name, but she's actually a neighbor of yours, and so I'm going to change her name. Eva is Darlene. She's 75 or 76 years old, little itty-bitty tiny lady, Native American. She's um, of the Sioux people, right, the Lakota, and so she's tiny with dark hair and dark eyes and a beautiful smile. And I met her recently in a Perkins restaurant, not actually all that far from here, and she told me about her life. 
Well, she was born on the Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota, and she says she wasn't really raised there because no one raised her, but that's where she grew up. And she lived in abject poverty in a whole series of abandoned trailers out on the reservation somewhere. Now, this was 75 years ago, so these were funny old abandoned places where a bunch of folks in the community had found that they could live for free. But they maybe had running water, or they maybe didn't, and they maybe had electricity, and they maybe didn't, and they maybe had food, or they maybe didn't. They were very poor, and the rates of addiction among the adults in her community were so high that there were lots of children not being raised. So by the time she was about eight or 10, Eva says she was in charge of all the neighborhood kids. She was the oldest of the children in that little cluster of trailers, and it was her job to keep them all fed and well. Because sometimes there were adults there and sometimes they weren't, there weren't, and sometimes when they were there, they were not capable of caring for children. So she was incredibly bright and savvy about problem solving, and she learned to break into area trailers, and if she found a can of beans, that's what the kids had for supper that night. And if she found some hash, that's what it was. She learned to hitchhike to town and shoplift food and bring it back to feed the children. And she was very good at problem solving and very good at maintaining this little pack of children she was responsible for when she herself was a child. Well, when she was 14 turning 15, she was pregnant. And the local social workers found out about it, and they said, you can't be here anymore on the reservation, and you can't be enrolled in the school. And they sent her to St. Paul, Minnesota, which was really far away. She had never been off the reservation, and she was leaving behind all of these children that she had cared for. And they sent her to a home that Lutheran Social Service ran at that time that was for pregnant teen girls. And they would live there until they had their babies, and then whatever had happened next. Well, Eva said she didn't want to go because she had never been off the reservation and she didn't want to leave her children behind, but they made her go. They packed her up, drove her to St. Paul, and she said for the first time ever, she had a bed to herself, clean sheets, warm running water, and a towel that was just for her, and she had grown-ups who fed her and cared for her. Someone took her to her doctor's appointments. Somebody came and taught school to the girls who were living in the home at the time. Someone else cared for them and made them meals. And she said uh, several days in, she thought it was the best place she had ever been in her whole life. LSS no longer has that sort of a facility for pregnant teen moms. We do run a home still for girls who are homeless and pregnant and parenting. That's a different sort of piece. But this home no longer exists, but for Eva, it was a gift because she, for the first time, felt safe and she knew someone would love her. Well, when her baby was born, she figured that she was just fine now at 15 full years old and she could parent that child. And so still in the home there, she tried for several weeks to figure out parenting and she discovered that she really wasn't up for the task. And so she gave that child up for adoption. It's about 60 years ago now. And as we were sitting in this Perkins restaurant, not far from here, she was looking around at all the men who might be about 60, who had dark hair, and saying, that one could be my son. That guy over there could be my son. She goes everywhere still, 
looking for a 60-year-old man with dark hair who was adopted who might be her child. But she knows that he went to a home in St. Paul that had a mom and a dad and already an older sister through adoption, and she has been so grateful because somewhere there is her son, and she knows he was well-raised. Well, she was 15 and had been raised in a pattern of dysfunction and abuse and addiction, and so when she left that home for pregnant teens, that's what she did, was fall right back into that. And for a couple of decades, she lived in addiction and in abusive relationships, and she would kind of get on top of things for a little while, and then she'd fall back in. And for a while, she came to a, a shelter that LSS ran at the time that was for women in sort of transition and mess. And for a while, she came through some LSS employment services and fell back out. And she did this for decades until one day, one of the men she was with harmed one of her children. And that was it. And she got sober, and she got her GED, and she decided it was time to start parenting. And so she did. And not long after that, she, said, she was so funny, she said, you know what happened? I met a nice man. Did you know there are those? <laughs> well, her experience of men in her life had not been all that positive. And she met this great guy. And he invited her to, her church, to his church. And she had never, ever been in a church before. And she heard about Jesus and she thought that was the greatest thing she'd ever heard. She said, I couldn't believe it. There's actually a God who loves me. She said, I have been such a mess my whole life. I've had all these problems. I've been through all of this despair. And there's a God who actually loved me through all that. And look, I'm still alive. So she was baptized, and she married this man, this nice man. And she parented her children, and he had some children, and took up parenting his children as well, and they had a lovely marriage. Well, he died a couple of years ago, and then she retired, and now she's serving full-time as a senior companion, which is a volunteer role through Lutheran Social Service. And she spends her days visiting other seniors. She specializes in ladies in the Native community because she says, I know what they're going through. And she does that full-time, and she's also now the custodial parent for three young girls. One is a granddaughter, one's a niece, and one is her friend's granddaughter. I think that's the third one. And so she's raising three young women and caring for other elders in the community, and she said, can you imagine that God had a plan for me that whole time? It was beautiful to meet her partly because her life story and mine are so different. I was raised in a stable home that always had enough food, in a place of privilege where we had education. I went to summer camp, right? Talk about luxury. But she's my neighbor, and she has also now stepped into a role of service in her life that to me is an incredible example of not only God's fidelity to her, but her response to God's fidelity, which is service in return. So I want you to bear Eva in mind, and you might meet her one day, and you'll say, there's this little native lady. I don't think her name's really Eva. But her life is far more complex than mine, and yet such a story of God's faithfulness through decades and decades of life. Now, today you heard this really bizarre story about Jacob. 
If you were listening to that story actually pretty carefully, you should be a little confused. Because we know that way long ago, back several chapters in Genesis, there's that great passage in Genesis 12:2, where God goes to Abraham and makes this covenant. And God says, I'm going to read it, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. So way back with Abram, who's soon Abraham, God makes this promise. This is the covenant, right, for all generations, where God says, I'm going to bless you and make your name great, not so that you'll be fabulous, but so that you will be a blessing to others. That's the covenant right there in Genesis 12, 2. And then Isaac is Abraham's son, and things are really complicated in the Isaac story as well, right? But now we have Isaac as a very old man who's about to pass on the blessing of the covenant to his son Esau. That's how it's supposed to work. The blessing goes from Abraham to Isaac to Esau, except that there's trickery involved, right? And we read about Jacob, this great patriarch of faith through whom we have received the promise and Jacob is a liar and a shyster and a trickster and he's in cahoots with his mom. I've always found this very disturbing, right? Because as a mother, one of the things you try to teach your children is to be honest and upright and upstanding and faithful. And here is Rebecca, who we hold up as one of the matriarchs of the faith, saying to her son, okay, we'll trick your dad and you go pretend to be your brother. And this is somehow scripturally blessed. Now, if you don't find this a little problematic, you probably um, have, you know, a few issues ethically. <laughs> you can talk to the pastors about that later. Because it's a pretty complicated place. And as it turns out, God still comes to Jacob and blesses him and makes these promises to him. And those are the promises you just heard read, Now I'm going to skip back to the bulletin, where even having lied and been a trickster to get this blessing, he's now sleeping on a rock out in the desert somewhere, and God comes and says this, Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what is promised you. Do you think he's being rewarded for lying and cheating and being a trickster? Well, if that's the case, then again, we have some serious ethical quandaries, right? Or is it that God is so faithful to God's promises and to God's covenant that even when human beings try to mess it up, God perseveres in faithfulness? I believe that to be true. It's a little difficult, but I believe it to be true. Think about your own life. How many of you were baptized as infants, like we just had this morning, right? When you were baptized as an infant, God's claim was placed upon you, and you were named and claimed as now a worker in God's kingdom. That was given to you as a promise, as a covenant, and frankly, as a responsibility. How many of you have lived that out absolutely perfectly all the time? Right. None of us. I try really hard to be an honest, upstanding, righteous person. And do I mess it up? All the time I do. 
If it's up to me and my goodness, I'm in big trouble. If it were up to Jacob and his honesty or Rebecca and her honesty, it would be a mess. But the covenant isn't, frankly, about us. It's about God and God's faithfulness. Eva was raised in a mess. And Eva had a very complicated, painful life. And God was with her every single day along the way. And Jacob lied and was a trickster. And even Rebecca was in on the deal. And yet God said, no, my promise holds true. My covenant with my beloved people is so strong and so faithful that it will not be broken. Now, it doesn't always get played out in a non-messy way. Right? That Genesis story tells us things get messy and God perseveres. I don't know a lot about your congregation. What I do know about your congregation is that you are really committed to serving in your neighborhood and in your community. I know that you have all kinds of interesting connections with community organizations and community partnerships and ministries happening around here and that you're absolutely committed to carrying those out. I know that you're considering becoming a refugee resettlement host congregation, thinking about how to receive new neighbors. I know, and I hope all of you actually will take home one of these little guys. Amazing. I know that this congregation is absolutely committed to living in a growing faith together. Young people, old people, adults, there's all kinds of great stuff going on in your congregation to keep that going. And frankly, Week in and week out, amazing things happen. This morning, Sawyer Daniel was baptized into this faith community, and all of you promised in that service to pray for him and to pray for his parents and to help raise him in faith. Wow. You now have a commitment to that child in a huge sort of way, but you look at that little booklet and you say, yeah, we're going to carry that out. That's what we're going to do. We are going to emulate God's faithfulness in carrying this out. We're going to keep walking with God. We're going to keep teaching the faith. We're going to keep raising children in Christ. And are we going to blow it? Absolutely. And are sometimes we going to let our egos and our own desires get mixed up in there, Rebecca and Jacob? Yeah, sometimes it's going to happen. But your trust is not in yourselves, and it is not in your own ability to be such good, holy, wonderful people that you can pull this off. Your trust is in God's promises. Because the God we know and the God we follow, the God in whom we place all of our trust, is a God who is so faithful and so steadfast and so enduring in his love for us that even when God could have looked at all of creation and said, I'm done, I give up on you people, you're a mess, Instead, God chose to come as Christ and walk among us and suffer and understand human complexity and persevere in love, even to the cross where Christ opened up his arms on that cross and said, I love all of you. And through his death and resurrection, invited all of us into that massive embrace in which Christ says, I will love you. I will walk with you. I will be your God. Even when your life is complicated, even when your ego and your intentions get messed up, even when things go wrong, I will be there for you, God says. 
It is an absolute privilege to serve a God whose extravagant love is so steadfast that we trust always in God's promise and not in ourselves. Thanks be to God for that. Amen.